0: You can check out our service times and more information about the church on our, on our website, waterhousechurch.com. Check us out on Facebook or any other social media sites that you may have. We would love to see you. I pray that today you are renewed, restored, refreshed, and that your spirit comes alive. Now here is today's message. Good morning, guys. How are y'all doing? Y'all look Good. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> the only time they'll ever see me in a suit, you know, unless, you know, something happens to me, then I hope Debbie didn't put me in a suit. Uh, but that's it, blue G jacket. That's good. A hoodie and shorts, right? Texas. That's, that's the Texas dress code. Uh, I just want to say thank you guys for being here this morning. You guys sound incredible singing. I mean, y'all are so good. And so uh, I want to just give a couple of announcements before I get into the message today. If it's your first time here, you've been here for a long time and you haven't had an opportunity to connect with us, we would love to get to know you and give you more information about the church. Here's the best way to do that. We have a text number. It's 817-803-3131. That that number's good for anything. There's a bunch of keywords that go along with that. But the one I want you to remember today is just simply the word connect, C-O-N-N-E-C-T. Just type that word to 817-803-3131. That's going to bring up a little form for you to fill out, uh, electronic form. You fill that out for us. We want to send you a gift in the mail, a gift card to say thank you for being here. And we just want to get, just say thank you for that. And so also the next thing I want to rem- remind you of, we have a small group training April the 12th at 6.30. So if you wanted to host a small group, um, that'll be your day. So April the 12th at 6.30, that's a Wednesday. And if you're, if you're, if you're interested in leading a group, that same keyword, that same number, eight one seven eight zero three three one three one. If you text the word host to that, you're probably going to start messing around and start sending words to it and see what happens. Um, <laughs> don't be surprised. Uh, but if you text the word host to that, that'll get you signed up to lead a group. Groups are important, guys. We need community. We need people in our lives. You know, when I see believers falling and failing and they're, giving, they're having a hard time, if they don't have people to come up underneath them and lift them up, um, they're just—they don't ever come out of it, and we need people in our lives to build us up and encourage us. And, and so I want to—I want to encourage you to get involved in a group. Um, we also on Wednesday nights we have a women's group that meets at seven, powerful. We also have a Bible study that. that one of uh, a guy from our church, Cliff leads. he's walking through the books of the Bible, helping to understand that. That's powerful as well. And also we have youth on Wednesdays at seven. So our uh, youth group is very, very good. And so I just challenge you to come. And if you're a guy, um, Mondays at 630, we have a men's group. We meet every Monday at 630. Um, we're just learning how to be better men, better husbands, better fathers, better workers in the workforce. Um, and we need to build each other up and encourage one another. And groups are important. You need each other, right? You need the person sitting next to you, whether you like them or not, right? Um, And so I'm just going to open up in prayer, and then we'll get into the message this morning. Heavenly Father, God, I thank you for today. I thank you for everyone in here, Lord. God, I pray that today you would open their eyes to the reality of who you are. God, they would behold your glory, that they would see your goodness, that they would look to you, God, and that you would give them comfort and strength. Father God, I pray that you'd open the ears to hear today, God, their hearts to receive the words from you today, God. Open my mouth to speak, God. Make my thoughts clean and clear, and let me hear from you, God, for these people today. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for your word. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 So today we get to wrap up our series entitled Jesus. It's a Jesus series. We've been walking through this since January, so... Um, if you want to go back and listen to those, you can do that on our website or YouTube or our podcast. You can go back and catch those messages. But we've been walking through Isaiah 53 together, um, verse by verse, and learning about this, this Messiah that the Isaiah talks about, who he is and what he's done. And as you read Isaiah 53 together, you can't help but recognize this is Jesus. There's no mistake about it. It's undeniable that the prophet is talking about Jesus Christ, what he's done and what he... What he's been through, and it's been a great journey. And so today we're going to end where we began, back on Isaiah chapter 52, verse 13 through 15. But uh, while we dive into that, this is what we've been doing as a church. We've been reading this together, all of it. It's a lot, and so we've been taking turns. Um, So I read the odd number verses, you read the even number verses, and we walk through Isaiah 52 through 53 together. But while you read that, don't just read it and like to keep up with everybody, because I know that's how it gets. But read it and let it get into your heart. Think about the words you're speaking. Think about what Isaiah is talking about today. And so we're going to stand for the reading of the word. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to that. But it's going to be up on the board, and it's, that way you're reading the same version. It won't be weird. Um, but uh, you, can, you can read that. We're reading on the New Living Translation. Isaiah 52. Let me get to it real quick. It's on the board too. I can turn right back there. <laughs> 53 5213. I'll start. Remember I got the odd and you got the Okay, here we go. See my servant will prosper. He will be highly exalted. And he will startle many nations. Kings will stand speechless in his presence, for they will see what they have not been told, and they will understand what they had not heard about. Who has believed our message? To whom has the Lord revealed his powerful arm? I grew up in the Lord's presence like a root shoot, like a root in dry There was beautiful or about his to, to him. He was despised and rejected. A man of sorrows, acquainted with deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised, and we did not care. But he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole, he was whipped so we could be healed. He was oppressed and treated harshly, yet he never said a word. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep is silent before the shears, he did not open his mouth. He had done no wrong and had never deceived anyone, but he was buried like a criminal. He was put in a rich man's grave. When he sees all that is accomplished by his anguish, he will be satisfied. And because of his experience, my righteous servant will make it possible for many to be counted righteous, for he will bear all of their sins. I will give him the honors of a victorious soldier because he exposed himself to death. He was counted among the rebels. He bore the sins of many and interceded for rebels. This is the word of the Lord. You may have a seat. Now, as you're reading that, you can't help but notice Jesus in that passage, his death, his resurrection, even the things he went through, the pain he endured. And he did it all for us. And today we celebrate the fact that he is risen, that he's no longer in the grave. Like death couldn't hold him down. He overcame the grave. He overcame sin. And Isaiah was writing to these people. He's prophesying about this Messiah that was to come 700 years before Jesus even came on the earth. The Lord was speaking through the prophet Isaiah. And as you look in your Bible, if you ever open this thing up, from the beginning, from Genesis to maps, right? You know, the very end, all of it is about Christ. All of it is about this Messiah that was to come and to set us free. God had a plan from the beginning. From the moment man fell, God had a plan. He put a plan into motion even before to save us and to set us free. To, to, to to heal us, to bring us to real life. And these people that Isaiah was talking to, the nation of Israel, they kept failing at every turn. Like they would do good for a while and they would fail. They would do good for a while. They would fail. And the Lord's like, all right, you can't do this. I'm going to do it for you. And so he sends this Messiah to save them, but not only that nation, but all nations through him. And we today are recipients of that victory that Christ has done we are, get, are partakers in all that Christ has done for us. And it's, 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 it's encouraging to me because we fail as many times, probably more, than the Israelites. We fail every day, but Christ is there with new mercies every day. And I know that Christ is the, the, the problem solver for our issues. Some of you have really bad issues today. Some of you have really big problems, and you're looking for the answer And I wish I could give you a billion dollars to solve your problem, but I know that if I give you a billion dollars, you'd have even more problems, right? Because everybody coming to your house like, give me some money. That doesn't solve our problem. Our problem is rooted in our sin problem. Our problem is, is rooted in our selfishness problem. Our problem is not usually the problem. Our problem is usually a symptom of the real problem. And Jesus came to deal with the issue, the main issue, That's why he came. That's why he died. That's why he was risen again. And today we're going to focus on Isaiah 52, 13 through 15. It starts with this simple word, see. Other translations, you'll read, look or behold. It's like, open your eyes and see what the Lord is doing. Open your eyes. My servant will prosper. Behold, he's going to prosper. Behold, he's going to come out of the grave. Behold, the church will be formed. And he will be highly exalted. This is lifted up. That's what exalted means. He will be lifted up among every other name. The name Jesus is the most famous name on the earth. He is high, exalted up. But many were amazed, it says, as they saw him. Because they didn't think he was the Messiah. They didn't think he was the one to come. His face was so disfigured that he seemed hardly human. And from his appearance, one would scarcely know he was a man. If you came to our Good Friday service, I had the last words of Jesus, a little video. And Jesus was so marred and beat from what he took from evil men that he was hardly recognizable from his scars and his beating. And for you and for me, it's hard to look upon that in you know, gaze upon you. you. want to turn your head and like this. And this is what the prophet's saying. When Jesus comes, we're going to want to turn our head away from him because he brings our sins to bear. It was appalling to us. It was appalling to us. And then he goes on to say, he will startle many nations or sprinkle many nations. Kings will stand speechless in his presence, for they will see what they had not been told, and they will understand what they had not heard about. See, my servant, prosper. He will be highly exalted. That's what Easter's about. That's what we're celebrating today is that he succeeded through his wisdom. He succeeded through his power. He succeeded. And now we are standing here as his church because what he's done. And I want to tell you guys, our faith isn't built on teaching. Our faith isn't built on a moral code, but our faith is built on a single true life event that Jesus rose from the dead. People don't rise from the dead. Jesus rose from the dead. If someone could predict their death, their burial, and their resurrection and pull it off, I'm going to take their word for it. Jesus rose from the dead. And if Jesus didn't come out of the grave and ascend to heaven, then all that we have and all that we hold on to as believers is false. And as Paul, the the apostle, said, we should be pitied more than anyone because we're believing a lie. We're believing something that's false, but we know that it's true. And the, Lord, the word of the Lord opens this up and says, look, look around you. Jesus is risen. Jesus is who he says he was. He is truly the son of God. Behold, he has proffered, prospered through his infinite wisdom. And today I want to talk to you today because there's three, of you, there's three categories of people in here today. There's people that are strong in their faith, like they know who Jesus is. They're they're strong believers, and life is good, and you're sold out, and you're ready to go. And then there's people in here today that are worn out believers. Life's been tough. Life's hard. You don't know if you can carry on another day because it doesn't even seem like Jesus is there anymore. Maybe you used to worship him, used to follow him, and now you've kind of slid away and said, you know, it's not doing me any good. My life was actually better when I wasn't following him. Maybe you've given up on Jesus. I want to speak to you today. You need some encouragement. I'll hopefully do encourage you with the words from Scripture. And then there's those today I know you don't believe at all. You've come here because your grandma, your grandpa, your parents dragged you here, maybe just wandered in. And you're wondering what is all this about? Why do these people get together on a Sunday? Why do they wear dresses? You know, why they dresses and suits? On this day, why do they hunt Easter eggs and drink lots of coffee and donuts? What is all this about? You're curious. You're wondering, is this really the truth? I want to speak to you today. And more than anything, I want to speak to you first because I know that you're smart people. If you're curious, you're smart. You have intuition. You, you want to believe the truth, but you don't know what the truth is. And I want to speak to you today because you're a processor, I'm going to speak to you first. I'm going to give you time to process what I say, because I don't want it to be an emotional decision or a decision made in the moment. But when I I lead to that moment to make a decision, I want it to be your decision, led by the Holy Spirit. It says in this passage, many were appalled or amazed by his appearance because his face was so disfigured. Like I said a minute ago, it's speaking of turning our face away from him because we can't look at him. And for you, if you're not a believer, when you, when you think of Jesus or you think of the church, it's almost appalling. You're like, I don't like, I don't know if I want to believe that. I don't know if I want to walk in that. Just some things don't line up and I don't understand. I, I want to tell you today that Jesus is the answer, despite what the church does. Jesus is still the answer for your life. And I get it because I was one of those people for a long time. I didn't believe like truly believe because the person that was saved me is the person staring in the mirror. I was my own captain. I, was, I had to like, deal with it. It was mine to deal with. Nobody else could deal with it. My issues are my issues. Nobody could save me. I just got to try harder, work harder, do better. And then maybe one day, if there is a God, he might let me in because I was a good person. And so my Savior looked a whole lot like me. And to you, your Savior may look a whole lot like you, act like you, think like you, believe like you do. But I want to give you another way. I want to open your thoughts and open your mind to a different alternative. I want to challenge you to be open to the possibility that Jesus is, in fact, the Savior of the world. I want you to be open to the notion that He alone can remove the penalty and the misdeeds and sins and make you right standing with the creator. It says, he was appalling. To think of yourself as a sinner, it's pretty appalling. That was the biggest obstacle for me, to know that I wasn't right with God, no matter what I did. That I couldn't be right, like I couldn't do right. But when you come to grips with that, then you can accept his cleansing, his his love, because it says he will startle many nations or sprinkle. What is that talking about? Well, let me open this up to you. So back in the sacrificial days, what would happen is the priests, they would slaughter an animal because if you sin, right, you break the law, something has to die. And so these animals would take our place as, an, as a sacrifice or an offering to God. And so they would sacrifice, slaughter these animals, and they would take the blood, and they would sprinkle the blood on the article that's unclean or the person that's unclean, meaning those things that aren't holy. And as they were sprinkled with this blood, you can imagine their face. I mean, if you ever got sprinkled with water, and you're like, I mean, can you imagine sitting there and some dude's like splashing blood on your face? Like, whoa. So it's startling. And, but that, that sprinkling and that startling was cleansing them from all of their sins, from all the unrighteousness, from all the things that kept their relationship with God from being separated. And as they cleanse them through the blood, we sing that song, his blood has made me whole, his blood has washed me white as snow. That's where that comes from. Only the blood could cleanse. And Jesus had to shed his blood for you so that you could be cleansed. And I love what it says, he will startle many nations. This is talking about everyone. Everybody gets in on this. Not just one nation. Jesus came. Not for just the Jewish nation, but he came for all nations, for all tribes, tongues, languages. I got to go to Israel a few months ago, last month. And it was beautiful to see every tribe, every nation, every tongue, all gathering in Jerusalem on that holy mountain, singing praises to this Jesus. There is no more diverse faith than Christianity. Christianity. Because all nations were included in this. All nations were included. That means you're included. He died for you. His sins covered you. I mean, his, his blood covered your sins. You are worthy because Jesus made you worthy. You are clean because Jesus made you clean. Some of you feel dirty today. Jesus made you clean. Jesus alone cleanses your sins and your conscience that guilt you have a guilty conscience you can't sleep at night you got shame in your heart jesus cleanses that he alone gives you a fresh new life that's the beauty of accepting jesus he don't just leave you there and say okay you get this key to heaven and then one day when you die you get to go to heaven but no he gives you a fresh new life a fresh start how many of you in here let's just take a poll how many of you in here has been, have you had your sins cleaned and your consciousness cleaned and now you have a fresh new life because of Jesus? It's beautiful. You're not the same. It's impossible to come face to face with Jesus and remain the same. You're different. My life is a testimony of that. My life was much like your life. My mom, took she's here this morning. I love my mom. She drugged me to church. Thank you for doing that. I hated it, except for when they had snacks. That was good. <laughs> snacks were good, and donuts and all that stuff. But I went, you know, and when I was young, I, I, I said the prayer. I said the magic words, you know, to get into heaven because I didn't want to go to hell. And I lived my whole life that way. I'm like, I got my ticket to heaven. What else do I need? And to be honest, I didn't care if Jesus was there or not. I didn't care if God was there or not. I just didn't want to go to the bad place because the bad place didn't sound pleasant. And so I wanted to go to a different place that sounded better. But the reality is, is if Jesus isn't there and God's not there, then it's not heaven. The reason he's brought us in there is because he wants us in his presence. He wants to be with us. And he wants this this relationship with me and with you. And it wasn't until I grasped the reality of who he was that my life changed forever. I'll tell you my testimony, I never get tired of telling it. For many years, I just led my life, didn't care about Jesus. I prayed when I needed to, when I was in really a lot of trouble, like most of us, right? But my faith wasn't part of my life. And my wife started going to church, this is years after we've been married, and she wanted me to start coming I knew it needed to come because I didn't have the answers. Our relationship was really bad. We are on the brink of divorce. I was very selfish. I I didn't know what love was, number one. I didn't know how to love my wife because I never experienced true love. The only love that Jesus gives. And she started coming to this church. And I didn't want to go to church because I hated pastors. I hated preachers because they're all swindlers and they just want your money, right? So I didn't want to go. But after much asking or nagging, (laughs) I started coming, and I sat third row in the back like this for about two years, like some of you I see. Oh my gosh, is this song ever going to be over? (laughs) Dude, keep repeating that line. Okay, we get it. (laughs) I was like that. Then the pastor would come up, I just, "Mm, I don't like this guy. To pick out everything that he was saying that was wrong. And I did that for almost two years. And then one day, just one day, not even, it wasn't the pastor's message, it wasn't anything else. It was during the worship set. It was during the songs. God reached down and I felt the love I've never felt in my whole life. He washed over me, his grace poured over me. The Holy Spirit grabbed a hold of me. And when that happened, it's like. Everything else didn't matter. I realized in that moment, I came face to face with him where I've been turning my face away from him. I turned toward him. It's like he took my face and said, hey, look at me. I love you. Stop running from me. It was in that moment, I was like, oh my God. God, I'll give up everything for you. I surrender to you, God, whatever you want. Little did I know. (laughs) That was. He's got a sense of humor, right? I hate pastors. It makes me one. I'm telling you, when you give your life to Jesus, there's a change in your life. I'm not saying he's going to make you a pastor, but I'm going to tell you, he's going to make you a son and he's going to make you a daughter and he will treat you like royalty. This is the truth of the gospel. He cleanses our conscience. He makes us clean and he gives us life. If you're a doubter today, if you're if you if you're wrestling with this thought of Jesus, I want to read a passage out of Acts to you. Maybe you don't have a Bible. Maybe you've never opened a Bible. There should be some Bibles in the back of these chairs. You can grab one. You can grab some out on the table. You can pull one up online. I want you to read Acts chapter three. Maybe just read the whole book of Acts, like over and over and over. Because the book of Acts talks about how the church started, what Jesus has done, and here we are today because of Acts. In this account in Acts chapter 3, what's happening here is Peter, which was one of Jesus' disciples, Jesus has ascended into heaven after his resurrection, and he gave the disciples these orders, go into all the world, share the gospel, right? Heal the sick, cast out demons, share the gospel wherever you go bring freedom to the people. And they took his word for it and they go out and they start doing these things. And in this instant, this man, they walk up to the temple. Peter heals this crippled man. And everybody's astounded and astonished that this man is walking around. They've beheld the power of who Jesus is. And it opened the door for the gospel and Peter lets him have it. He says here in verse 15, he said, you killed the author of life. But God raised him from the dead. We and we are witnesses to this fact. This is the simple gospel, guys. Jesus died. He was buried. And he was resurrected. And not only was he resurrected, there were eyewitnesses to the fact. It wasn't made up. See, this is the bedrock of our faith. This is what we're celebrating today. Not only is he risen, but the church has been empowered through his name. He left, he's coming back, but until he comes back, he's empowered his church to represent him on this planet. And Peter is an example. This man was healed. So this guy's standing up, was crippled, now he's not. And he says, through faith in the name of Jesus, that's all it took, just through faith in the name of Jesus, this man was healed through power, through the name of Jesus. And you know how crippled he was before. Guys, you came here every day. You saw him begging for for food every day. But faith in the name of Jesus has healed him before your very eyes. Friends, I love this. Peter didn't get on to them. He didn't say, you idiots, you killed Jesus. He said, friends. And I don't know what your view of God is right now. Maybe you think he's angry at you for how you're living your life or the choices you made. But I'm telling you, he's looking at you right now saying, friend, listen to me you're my friend. I want you in my presence. I realize what you and your leaders did to Jesus was done in ignorance. You didn't know what you're were doing. We're not going to hold that against you, but listen to the truth right here. But God was fulfilling what the prophets, what we just read, Isaiah 53, had foretold about the Messiah, that he must suffer these things Now repent of your sins, turn to God so that your sins may be wiped away. Then times of refreshment will come from the presence of the Lord and he will again send you Jesus, your appointed Messiah. For he must remain in heaven until the time of the final restoration of all things as God promised long ago through his prophets. Peter says, you killed the author of life, but he was raised again. He's empowered us. He's coming back for you. Now, if you repent, you turn from your sins, you turn to him, he will make a way for you to be refreshed. Life will come into your dead bodies and you will be raised to life. It's a beautiful promise because here's the promise. He says, your sins will be wiped away. Your consciousness will be made clean. Every bad thing you've did, every bad decision in your life will be wiped away. Scripture says it will be tossed from the east to the west. That's all the way. This is the universe, right? (laughs) east to west. It's not in a globe where it's going to come back to you eventually. It's going to be gone. East is to the west. Never to be seen again. He cleanses you all the way. He never brings it up against you. He's like, I know I I forgave you for that, but, you know, I'm not really going to forgive you. He cleanses your conscience. He wipes away your sins. Wipe them off the face of the earth. And then you experience a refreshing in his presence. When you give your life to Jesus, you get the Holy Spirit. He resides in you. He refreshes you. He builds you a new life. Scripture talks about this spring that wells up within us and bubbles out. He gives you a new life. And then he sees you will, see, he, you will see Jesus face to face when he returns. This is the hope we have. As believers, we know that Jesus is coming back for his church. He's coming back for his people. He's going to set everything right. Like he said, the final restoration of all things. But until he comes, he's restoring all all of it right now. But until he comes, it won't be restored to the fullness. And so in other words, this is what Jesus does for you. He restores your identity. Do you know who you are? Most of our issues are identity issues. We don't know who we are. We don't know why we're here. We don't know what's going on, why I'm even on this planet. Who am I really? Jesus gives you identity. He tells you who you are in him, that you are a son, that you are a daughter, that you are chosen. Do you know He chose you? That you're chosen. He wants you in his house. He wants you in his presence. So you can get rid of all your labels and say, I'm just a son. I'm just a daughter of God. He restores your purpose. He restores your purpose. You know why you are here. The biggest question we have in this life is why am I here? What am I supposed to do while I'm here? I guess I'm supposed to just eat pizza and binge Netflix. What am I supposed to do? Jesus gives us our purpose. He tells you who you are. He tells you why you are. He chose you for a reason. He has a purpose and a plan for your life, and it's beautiful. While you're here on this earth, He wants to set you on a new path and give you new life. And then He restores your destiny. You know where you're going. What's my destiny? In eternity with God. That's heaven and eternity with God, with him and his presence. No pain, no strife, no sorrow. And when you know your destiny, you can live on the journey in peace. So many of us are are anxious and bound up and fearful about the right now, but we don't see the destiny ahead of us. When we can see the destiny ahead of us, we know that we can live in the now and not be fearful. Because I know this isn't permanent, Guys, because when it hurts and when pain's coming, it feels permanent. But it's not permanent. We can have hope. And the beautiful thing is it's all set up for you. Jesus did the setup. And he's presenting it to you today, saying, will you accept this gift of salvation? But here, there's only one catch. Because you're like, oh, there's got to be a catch. There's one catch. You have to change your mind about him. We call this Repentance. Simple word. I mean, those words sound harsh, but they're not. It's a beautiful word. To change your view, to change your sight of who he is. That's what he did to me. He turned my face and says, look at me. And when my life changes because I repented, I turn from this way and turned to this way. Repentance is like a 180. I'm going this way. Now I'm going this way. I'm going towards Jesus. My view has changed from who I'm not to who I am. From where I was going to where I am going. That's repentance. It's saying it's changing your mind about Jesus. You have to change your mind about him to truly, truly accept what he wants to give to you. And so for you that are doubting today, for you that are curious, I pray that you get a fresh vision of him. I pray that you understand who he is, what he's done for you, what he wants to do for you, what he wants to do through you. You are powerful. You just don't know it. I pray you repent. I pray you turn away from and toward him. I pray that you would turn to him and be healed and be refreshed. Father, I pray for these people today that are curious. God, I pray that you would reveal yourself to them, Lord, that their eyes would be open wide to the wonder of who you are. God, their lives would be changed forever, that they would stop believing the lies of the enemy, stop believing the lies that are being thrown about to them, about themselves. God, you see them, you love them, you accept them. The world will never accept them, but God, you accept them. And I thank you for that. God, awaken their hearts to you. Thank you, Jesus. Now I want to talk to those that are wavering. It's been hard. It's been a hard, been a hard run. Like you started following Jesus and everything's all good for a while. And now it's like, oh, this following Jesus thing is getting hard. In fact, my life seems better now that I'm not going to church, not reading my Bible, not praying. You know, Jesus is on the sidelines and it's good. And you're weak and you're tired. and You're ready to give up. You're losing hope. I want to encourage you today. Dare to hope again. Jesus is there. He's the only answer you have. I want you to take courage today because he is alive. Yes. He's alive. Yes. And if he's alive, we still have hope. Amen? Yes. See, here's the problem we've lost sight of Jesus. Somewhere along the way, we lost sight of the truth. And we don't know what happened. Like somehow, the issues of life became bigger than our Lord. But I'm praying that he takes the blinders off and that you get a fresh view and vision of who he is. And that you see the truth for what it is. Because he is risen. He has been exalted. He is one, And because he's one, he's right here with you. You may not think he's with you. You may think he's done with you, but he's right next to you. And you don't have to worry. You've let something cloud your view of who he is. Maybe it's just fear and anxiety. Maybe it's doubt. Good thing you're in good company. Because the disciples doubted. Easter morning, they got up. They didn't know what was going on. They thought Jesus was dead and buried. They had no hope. And they're looking around, what are we going to do now? But we know that he's risen. In Luke chapter 24, Luke, the gospel writer, records this, this instance with Jesus and some disciples, and we're going to read that, and I hope it encourages you today. Luke 24, verse 13. That same day, this is Easter morning, two of Jesus' followers were walking to the village of Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. As they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened. And as they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly came up again walking with them. I think it's just hilarious. But God kept them from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing so intently as you're walking along? And they stopped short, sadness written across their faces. Then one of them, Cleopas, replied, you must be the only person in Jerusalem that hadn't heard about all these things that have happened here the last few days. What things? <laughs> Jesus asked. Like He doesn't know. It's one. What, what are you talking about? What happened? Tell me, please, what happened? These things that happened to Jesus, the man of Nazareth. They said he was a prophet. I want you to, to notice their wording. He was a prophet who did powerful miracles. And he was a mighty teacher in the eyes of God and all the people. But our leading priests and other religious leaders handed him over to be condemned to death and they crucified him. We had hoped he was the Messiah who had come to Israel. This all happened three days ago. Their past tense shows where they're at presently. I don't believe it didn't come through. Jesus didn't come through for me. I thought he was, but obviously he wasn't. And they continue this story. Then some women from our group of his followers were at his tomb early this morning and they came back with an amazing report. They said his body was missing and they had seen angels who told them Jesus is alive. And some of our men ran out to see him and sure enough, his body was gone just as the women had said because you can't believe what women say, right? So they go check it out. So the body's gone. They don't know what happened. They're disheartened doesn't seem like Jesus is coming back or Jesus has rise, risen. And then Jesus said to them, you foolish people. I love how he encourages people. You foolish people. You find it so hard to believe that all the prophets wrote in scriptures. Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering his glory? Then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets, explaining from the scriptures the things concerning himself. By this time, they were nearing Emmaus in the end of their journey, and Jesus acted if he was going to go on. But they begged him, stay the night with us since it's getting late. So he went home with them. And as they sat down, he he took the bread and blessed it. Then he broke it and gave it to them. And suddenly their eyes were opened. And they recognized him at that moment, and he had disappeared. It's like, oh. And they said, didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked to us? On the road and explain the scriptures to us. I pray today as we were singing, as you walked in, as you woke up this morning to come to church, that your hearts were burning, wanting to believe, wanting to hope, wanting to trust, that your hearts are burning for Him. Maybe your your hearts have stopped burning. Maybe your faith is dried up and it seems dead, but I'm telling you, there's still coals there, fan it into flame. And I love how they changed their language from that point. It wasn't Jesus was, Jesus may be, it was Jesus is. Jesus is the answer. Jesus has risen. He is risen. We have beheld him. We have saw him and he has prospered. And I want you today to know if you're, I want you today, if you're discouraged, if you feel like you're about to give up, look to Jesus, behold the truth. He is standing right next to you. He is in you. He is around you. He never leaves you. Remember his promises. Remember what he said to you. Don't give up. Remember what he's done for you. Let those things spur you on so you don't quit. Don't give up. Strengthen your weak knees. Get up. Take a firm grip with your hands. And do the things that God called you to do. Because he's with you right here. When you leave out the door, when you go home, when you sleep at night, tomorrow he's going to be with you. Forever he's going to be with you. For eternity he's going to be with you. That's why he gave us communion. And in a moment we're going to take communion. But that's a reminder that he's with us. And so for those that are strong, I want to encourage you today. Strengthen your brothers. Strengthen other believers. Because one day you may be weak and you're going to need somebody to strengthen you. Today may be a good day for you. Today you may be rejoicing and thankful. Let's not use our strength to push other people down and say, well, you're not where I'm at. So I'm going to push you down. Pick them up and say, come on, you got this. You can do this. Jesus is with us. No matter how bad the world gets, you have something to give to somebody. Use your strength wisely. Don't give up and don't give in because here's why. Kings will stand speechless in his presence. He is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. He is the highest above highest. And that's the God we serve. Because the world will see what they have not been told. And they will understand what they have not heard about. When God grabbed me and he changed my life forever, nobody could have told me anything about that. They tried. Every Sunday, that pastor would try to hammer in my mind who he was. But it wouldn't, it wouldn't penetrate my heart because I had to see something. I had to see his goodness. I had to see his mercy. And that's what I saw that I had not been told. And then I understood what had not been heard about. I understood his love and his mercy and his grace. So good. Life was never the same. So for those that are curious, seek it out. For those that are weak today, come on. Believe again, trust again, hope again. Pick up the word of God and let it seep into your heart. For those that are strong today, get next to somebody that's weak and faltering and pick them up. Say, come on, we got this. That's why Jesus gave us communion. So we would remember this. Remember what he's done and all that he's done. So we're going to take communion together. And after we're done with this, I'm going to have the prayer team come up and the worship team come up. And we're going to have a moment of ministry. So as you're opening this, I know for those that were here on Friday, you're expecting the good stuff. Sorry, we don't have it today. We still have a lot of these cups, and we got to get rid of them. And nobody wanted them, so we got to use them. So as you open, just go and stand, and we'll get ready to take this together. Today, this may be the first time you've ever taken this communion as a believer. Like, you've made the decision already. I didn't have to lead you in a prayer. You don't have to say any magic words. You just have to believe and repent and change your mind about who he is. And today, this may be the first time you take this really understanding what he's done for you. It's a beautiful moment. We're glad to share this with you. But we take this as a church. We take this as a church. It's called communion. It's a common unity. The common unity of believers. And we take this to remember not only what he's done and what he will do, but what he's doing now in the present. He's setting us free. He's making us clean. He's giving us a home. And he's made us his children. And so when Jesus sat down with these guys after they were like, didn't know who he was, and as soon as he broke the bread, they're like, oh, that was Jesus. Because they remember the time at communion when he sat around the disciples. and He said, take this. This is my body that's broken for you. This is my body that's broken for your good. This is my cup. This is my blood that's poured out for you that you may have new life and new, a new, a new life in your And the Spirit. This is the cup of the new covenant. Well, if there's a new one, what's the old one? The old one was this. We had to work for it. Like we had to obey the law completely and perfectly, and then maybe, just maybe, we might get to see our Father in heaven. But Jesus said, I'm making a new covenant. It's not by what you do, but what you believe, and that's Jesus. We believe in His name, and then out of that flow obedience. When I gave my life to Jesus, I didn't have to read the Bible to know what was good. I mean, I did, but I wanted to do it because of what he's done for me. I wasn't obeying to try and get his love. I was obeying because of his love. And his ways are so much better than my ways. So we're going to take this together. We do two things together as a church. We take communion with the bread. It's broken. His body is broken. We pray for healing. God still heals today. We believe in healing. It's it's in his word. It says, by his stripes, we are healed. We are made whole by his body. And so if you need healing today, believe it while you take it. I believe someone's getting healed while they take this this morning. And then we pray for those that do not know Jesus, for those unbelievers, that Jesus would come and find them just like he found me. He would set them free and their lives would be changed forever. Maybe you've got a neighbor. Maybe you've got a family member that's just far away from Jesus. And you know the joy that you have in him. And you want them to have the same joy. So that's what we do together. So let's all up the bread and pray. Father, I thank you for this bread. I thank you for your body that was broken for me, Lord. Every beating, every whip that hit your back was for me. Your body was broken completely and utterly and totally for me. You took my place on the cross. You are the bread of life. And I come to you and I thank you for this bread. I thank you for your body that was broken for us. Lord, I pray for those today that need healing, that they would be healed right now in Jesus' name. That body parts would work the way they're supposed to. God, that, um, yes, from the head to the toes of their feet, God, I pray that you would heal their bodies right now, Jesus. Everything must bow at the name of Jesus. If it has a name, it must bow. Whatever disease you have, it must bow at the name of Jesus. Every demonic oppression must bow at the name of Jesus. We thank you, Lord. Yes. And so, Lord, we take this bread, knowing and commemorating what you're doing. Let's break your bread together and take. We thank you, Jesus, for this cup and the new covenant that was poured out by your blood. Lord, we know that you, we have a place at the table, that you made a place for us through this new covenant. Lord, it's not by what we do, but what we believe in. We believe in you, Jesus the Savior of our lives. We believe that your work was enough. When you said it was finished, it was finished. We don't have to do anything but turn to you and accept your grace. And we thank you for that, Lord. Lord, let us live in that. And, Lord, I pray for those that do not know you, God, that they would know you. Give us courage and boldness as your church to proclaim the gospel, to live it out in front of them in such a pleasable and honorable way, God, that they want that. God, help us as your church to be better. God, I thank you for that. Lord, let us offer them a cup and to show them you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your body. Thank you for your blood. Thank you for this cup. We take it in remembrance of you. Let's take it. The teams can come up. This is how I want to close this morning. I don't know where you're at. You may be the doubter today. And you're like, man, I've never felt this before. Jesus is real. I need to give my life to him. You can do that in your seat. I'm going to challenge you to come up and let one of these ministry team members pray with you. Help lead you in a prayer. Help give you some steps to take. Maybe today you're wavering and your faith is tired and you don't know if you can go another day. Like it was a battle even getting here this morning but I'm glad you came because I pray that your hearts were burning every moment of this message, every moment of the worship. Even now, your hearts are burning saying, Jesus, I just want you. And I pray that you would come and let these people pray for you and encourage you and lift you up because they're strong this morning. And for those that are strong this morning, I pray that you would praise and worship and be thankful and that you would strengthen those around you and that you would not hold on to your strength but you would lend it out in Jesus' name.